G'day, 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 and welcome to another podcast of Gatesy's study on Bible topics. We're going through Genesis, and we won't go through the entirety of Genesis because I'm clearly taking two to three podcasts uh, per chapter, and we all know there's quite a few. There's a hundred. There's fifteen hundred years worth of history in Genesis alone. So there's fifty chapters. So you do the maths. That's 150 podcasts to go, maybe, to go through Genesis. I don't know if you guys would be willing to stick around for that long. I hope you are, and I hope you're getting something out of it and looking forward to when the next podcast comes out. And now that this uh, yeah MIDI controller seems to be working, um, yeah, hopefully once a week when the daughter's gone to sleep, I'll be able to obviously help clean the house up like I'm supposed to. And then be able to actually start pumping out some more podcasts because I enjoy doing this and I hope just as much as you guys enjoy listening to it and getting something out of it because I'm obviously getting something out of it at the same time. And so this is bringing me closer to understanding God and getting closer to relationship with him by understanding his word. So, all right, we will start with prayer like we should. And it's amazing that the last one that, yeah, God was revealing revelation to me and I was getting chills and giddy reading out and looking at the numeral value and the uh, the definitions or the symbolism of those numbers to what it equates to in scripture. And so when you get to see the numbers and go what actually took place in that moment and then the value of that number that God is so precise with absolutely everything, it's just so wonderful. So let's start with prayer and allow Holy Spirit to do his thing. So dear Lord God, we just thank you for another wonderful day. Lord God, we just, we lift our arms to you and we surrender ourselves in this time. And we should be surrendering ourselves all the time. But Lord, in this moment, we are committing ourselves to you to delve into your word. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you are more evident in our lives all the time, increasingly evident every day. And when we read the word, Holy Spirit, we ask for these strong impressions of revelation through your spirit revealing this truth to us. The Holy Spirit, we just ask that you just stir up in our souls right now, in our hearts, in our minds, imprinting these words into us, ingraining them in us, and allowing us to see this truth that we've been blinded to before because of our selfishness, because of our sin, all these factors. Holy Spirit, we just we want to come more in line with your scripture and more in line to be in more in line with you and to deepen and further our relationship with you, Father. The Holy Spirit, we just ask that you just speak to us now through this word, showing us the Father's heart, and for us to continuously acknowledge that it's because of Yeshua that we are able to do this, that he made the way possible so that we could even be here right now today in this very moment. We just want to honour you. We want to thank you, worship you, praise you. We want to glorify you. And as we further our relationship, we will learn what these things truly mean so that we can actually live them out daily. And we just lift you up. Father, Holy Spirit, Yeshua, 
We ask that you bless us, guide us every day, that your hand is in every part of our lives. We ask this now in Yeshua's mighty, wonderful name. Amen. All right, let's get into it, shall we? So we finished up uh, with chapter 8, verse 14, which means we are, oh, we're about halfway through the chapter, so that's all right. We're not doing too bad. Half a chapter for half an hour. It's a good trade-off, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, whereas Alan Nolan, he, he'll read four verses and he'll spend an hour on it. Absolutely incredible. Anyways, we're not talking about him. We are delving into God's word. So we'll start off with uh, verse 15, which is only six words. Then God spoke to Noah saying, verse 16, go out of the ark, you and your wife, your sons and your son's wives with you. So they did not move. They knew when there was life resurrected on earth. They knew when life was sustainable again on earth. But they remained in this trial waiting to witness this new beginnings. Sorry, witness the gospel when God said, you may now leave the ark. I have now made a way for you to live again. After my wrath had been passed, my judgment had been passed and my wrath had been evident on the earth, I now, in a new beginning, a new gospel, you witness my goodness to you, which in an aspect of is the gospel. And we can go, oh, I'll do another podcast one day on actually the gospel itself and what it is and the significance of it and all these things and how there's so much of the gospel all throughout Old Testament. And this is proof of that. So, all right. Verse 17. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you. Birds, animals, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. It's incredible that he had all the insects, all well, all the, the types of insects. Not every single variation of a spider and a centipede and a scorpion and ugh, all the creepy ones. Like, I don't know how he, whether he put them in a, a timber box and he had the smallest, like little breather holes so that they could just be in there and not get squished and not bite people and all those sort of things. I do not know how that side of things played out, but the insects were on the ark. Incredible. Um, and all the creepy things that creep on the earth, that they may breed abundantly on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So now their mission is to repopulate the earth as it was in the garden. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by their families from the ark. So by their groupings, they went their own separate ways to start repopulating. Um, verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. 
Alright. Okay, so there was quite that was quite a large sacrifice, or sorry, a large offering for him to have, whether it was a pair of each, I do not know. But he took of so whether okay, so think of it, he took the male. So there may have been uh there may have been six pairs and one single male, or there may have been seven pairs, and the male did his job with the the female before he was sacrificed and she was pregnant at the time. That's a possibility. It is not exactly stated. But if he took one of every, so one sheep, one cow, one goat, uh, and then whether it's like one gazelle, one antelope, one deer, potentially. And then you've got uh, of the birds. I I haven't looked into the bird side of it, what was considered clean, whether they were purely grain-eating birds or what, I'm not sure. Um, that would be like doves and pigeons. Can't really think about those. I'm thinking of in Australia, we've got galahs and all those sort of things, but they love eating mice as well. But then you think, oh, so do pigeons a bit, I think. I can't remember now. Anyways, I don't matter. Um, so they've made and burnt offerings. So already this structure is in place. It was in Cain and Abel. It was already there offering a burnt offering to the Lord. So straight from the get-go, something had to be consumed by fire. So the uh, let me just look this up. Uh, we are to chapter nine. Sorry, no, we're not. I'm getting ahead of myself. Chapter eight, and we are, what's that, verse 20. Go okay. uh, verse dun, 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 dun. verse 20. Um, So, a law. Oh, he actually, and Alan teaches on this, and it's such interesting. So we all know the action, or the, sorry, we all know the event of Holocaust. It was actually named by the Jewish rabbis that were there as a Holocaust. It was a Hebrew word. That meant completely consumed by fire with evidence from afar by smoke. Wow. So I'm just looking this up and on my phone, it is usually it's a holocaust as going up in smoke, burnt offering as a sacrifice, completely consumed by fire. And so when they... I don't have to remind you, a lot of you would know with the Holocaust that when they had their their ovens, as they put it, that there was nothing remaining of these people. They were completely consumed to the point that it was just powder, dust. That is a Holocaust. And so for a burnt offering, considered as a Holocaust, it was 
every aspect of the creature was consumed by fire as a burnt offering, as a sacrifice. And for them, Noah and his family, in honouring God, they brought a completely consumed fire. So they did this to honour him until it got to the Passover in Egypt, that it was now a consuming as an offering to appease God's wrath, to appease his judgment. So that's quite significant in itself, isn't it? To be completely consumed by fire and evident from afar by smoke. Wow. That just brings you, it just makes you humble, doesn't it? When you learn and start to understand these things that you never perceived before. Oh, thank you, Father. And, okay, this is even more incredible. Verse 21. And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma. And the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man. For the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. And I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. And we'll quickly, we'll just finish up verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Key, while the earth remains. Because they did not eat of the tree of life and they ate of the tree of knowledge and sin entered the world. The sin was always able to enter the world, but it, it did not get to take foothold until they took of that and disobeyed God. And then all of a sudden God cursed the ground. All of a sudden there's a time limit of the earth. And it will perish just like we will perish. So that's so interesting that while the earth remains, all these things will stay, still take place. It will be consistent only while it remains because it will perish and then those things will stop with it. You read Revelations? That's not, you, the new heaven and the new earth, none of those things exist because the Father and the Son, wherever they are, there is light there, and it says there will be no need for light. So there will be no need for sun, moon, or stars because the glory that is God, his light, will shine throughout everywhere. And when Moses was on the mountain being in the presence of God, not seeing his face directly but being so close in his presence that his face was glowing, that the people were scared of this glowing face, that he had to put a cloth over it, to try and dull it down. That is the glory of God. His light will shine. So there will no longer be days and nights and all these things because the glory of God will be there. These things will not have to take place anymore. And so let's go back to verse 21. So after this burnt offering, this holocaust, okay, this complete consuming of a being, with evident of smoke from afar, the Lord smelled this soothing aroma. Do you notice that? A soothing aroma. A burnt 
sacrifice, a creature that has been killed and completely consumed by fire, is a soothing aroma to God. I can't believe I've never read this verse before. (laughs) Or I was so quick that I glossed over it and never actually stopped to look. But that, where the Lord smelled the soothing aroma. And the Lord said to himself, so the three, so the Lord, uh, let me just quickly, the Lord here, I am not sure if this is going to be or should be in capitals or not. Yes, so the Lord here is Jehovah Yahweh. So this here is the covenant-keeping, redeeming name of God. So God had made a covenant with uh, Noah, or he was making a covenant with Noah. So when um, uh, Moses wrote this, he put it down. So everyone else that called God, God, they used either a big G in honor of him, and that was it, and they called him Elohim. Whereas this is the name of God, Yahweh, Jehovah, or Jehovah, however you want to say it. That's the English version, but it's only four letters. And it's pretty incredible that this covenant-keeping, redeeming name of God, that only those that were in covenant with him were allowed to use, because they were in a covenant relationship means they were in this bonding relationship, which is a 50-50. I've said it and you've heard it. And because of that, you're keeping me accountable to it, which means we have created a strong bond because I have to keep my word because you're here to keep me accountable so that I do not go back on it. That's part of what a covenant is. It is equal two parts. One has said it. And the other has heard it. And the other one is accountability to the first. Wow. So this covenant keeping, redeeming name of God said to himself, so the three of them conversed yet again. And because they were pleased with this complete consumed being by fire, Everything, hair to the bones, completely consumed by fire. They were pleased with it and said, I will never again curse the ground on account of man. So on behalf of man, because of man, I will not curse the ground again. So the curses still remain, even though the flood came, weeds, all these things remained. He never lifted them when he wiped out all living beings because he didn't destroy the earth. He just cleansed the earth of the evil on the earth. Okay, we have to remember that. I'll never again curse the ground on account of man. For the intent of man's heart. So the intent is different to action. Let's quickly just, oh, this one's, I've got to get used to this. Uh, So for man's sake is another way of putting it. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. 
neither will I again smite any more every, every living. Okay, that one's written weird. But it does make sense. It's just hard to say it. So neither will I again smite any more every living thing. So I will not kill every living thing anymore. And that's quite significant. He's not saying that he will not kill anymore, but he will not kill everyone at the same time anymore. He still has judgment to be passed for deserving people, groups, person, whatever it is, because they go against his law. And, but he will not wipe out everyone and from a man's youth. So there gets a point that there is an accountability for every person for their actions. There is a time of a child's life before that accountability. But I honestly think that that accountability uh, age is reducing with how supposedly mature we have our kids these days. You only have to listen to how they talk about sex and all these things. They go, oh my goodness, I never even thought of that at that age. And yet that active, that age of accountability, I believe is reducing. God could completely go, nah, it's a set age and that's what it is. But if you know what is right and wrong and you know what you're doing is wrong, but you still choose to do it, all of a sudden you are now acting above that age of accountability. And so from a man's youth, so as he gets to a certain point that he now knows what he's doing intentionally and does it anyway, that's the tipping point. But it's his intent. It's not his complete living. Um, and uh, so evil here is raw. Raw. <laughs> so that's just what I would do talking to my one-year-old. That was terrible, my bad. Raw or. So R-A-W-A-W is how we would pronounce it. As evil, normally or morally evil. This includes the second feminine form as an adjective or noun, adversary, affliction, bad, calamity, displeased, um, exceedingly uh, grievous, heavy harm, uh, hurtful, ill-favored, marked, mischievous, misery, naught, not pleased, sad, sorrow, trouble, vexed, wicked, wickedness, um, uh, it is used as evil, wickedness, wicked, mischievous, hurt, bad, trouble, sore, affliction, ill, adversary, favoured, harm, naught, noisome, grievous, sad, and miscellaneous. Uh, is it Isaiah 54? That God causes evil, and I think it's the same word. And the the meaning of it, Uh, okay. Okay. No, I think it is a different word for that word means, and this is talking for God that a scripture that talks about he's the, the creator of evil in the King James. That's what it says in other Bibles. It says, uh, calamity and the, the, the Hebrew true definition of it is, Calamity, 
due to a righteous judgment. Okay, so he is a creator of calamity due to a judgment that has been passed and it is justly done. So God has never been the perpetrator of evil. Is That is not the case in Genesis when uh, evil came. So if we use that verse and go, well, God is the perpetrator of evil and yet God is good, and God is God, and yet we are not able to be outside of his will. So God caused evil, but that's not part of God's nature. God understands. So part of his divinity, and we've talked about this, that part of his divinity is he understands and he knows what evil is. He knows every aspect of what evil is. He is not evil, but he knows and he has to bear that as part of his divinity, the understanding of what evil is. And so when man disobeyed, he no longer was good. And when he ate from the tree of good and evil, he now understood the divinity that God had. He was ashamed of himself. He was self-centered now that these sins came upon him, this evil come upon him. And so part of God's divinity is he understands all that and he has to bear that as God, but that's not who God is and so for god the perpetrator of calamity perpetrator of evil the perpetrator of righteous judgment passed through wrath in either a natural occurrence so whether it's a calamity or whatever or him purely smiting them by his own hand however that looks it's through him that god is the causer of righteous judgment sorry calamity through righteous judgment okay so we have to have to understand that and really hone that into our minds that god is a righteous being and anything that is not righteous or deemed righteous is separated from him and if it is not righteous then it must be the opposite of righteous which is evil and you can use whatever negative word you want for that, but that's what it is. And so it is, and if it is, that is the case, God has every right to pass a just judgment towards anything that is not of God. And it has to be completely wiped out, completely consumed by fire. And so for God to be pleased with this death that took place with multiple animals, God was pleased with it and said, because of this sacrifice, I am pleased with this sacrifice. And because of this sacrifice that you have made to me, I am satisfied to a point. All right. It's not, he's completely satisfied because they have to continuously throughout the Torah, they have to continuously sacrifice for sins and they have to do certain sacrifices for certain sins. Okay. Until Christ comes and is the final sacrifice for all. This still has to take place so that God is pleased with it. And so being the, the first sin out of a, a righteous man's heart, so Noah's righteousness, God is pleased with this sacrifice and completely quenches his wrath towards total wipeout of earth. Good on you, Noah. That's very, that's, you took one for the team. You did an awesome job there. On an account of man, 
for his intent, his imagination is evil from his youth, is looking for destruction by choice. He wants to see what the world has to offer because of his curiousness, but also uh, because of the tree of good and evil, you have this sense of good and understanding and you have this sense of evil, but the evil, which is Satan, is such a, for whatever reason, has a stronger pull on all of us. And so it's so much easier for uh, the road to destruction is wide and easy. There is no effort in following that path and yet following entering the narrow gate is so hard and windy and you've got big rock ledges and all these sort of things that you got to climb up and over to get to. You have to put effort in to follow God, to stay with him. So, yeah, this is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Wow. So we need to remember that, that God is pleased with the correct sacrifice that takes place to cover sin. And so if he is pleased with that, he is appeased and his wrath is withheld and no longer directed towards us. Thank you, Father. All right, we'll finish up there and I will see you on the next one. Catch ya.